Hey, welcome to the AOL Podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message with Pastor Travis Bennett. But God, as we honor you, I just pray, Lord, that there would be a sign today for those that are heart, that they're brokenhearted. Those that are away from Jesus, that today, that it would be a wonder to us that God, if you save them, you can save anybody. God, if you set them free, you can set anybody free. God, if you delivered them, you can deliver anybody. Because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, God, we honor you. We honor you, Lord. We honor you, King of kings, Lord of lords. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. We honor you, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We honor you, Jehovah Rapha, our healer. We honor you, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. We honor you, Jehovah Sikhnu, our righteousness. We honor you, God, this morning. Do what only you can do in this place. Do what only you can do in this place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you came to church this morning. Look at your other neighbor and say, you look like you've lost 20 pounds. (laughs) Lie to him if you have to, amen. Hey, that's right. Praise God. Well, who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Hey, you know what? We shouldn't have sat down too quickly. Do you mind standing for the reading of the word? I feel like Catholics. I already told you to sit down. Now stand back up one more time. Come on, can we stand for the reading of the word? It says in John chapter 4 and verse 46, it says, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was sick in Capernaum. Now, you need to know this. If you have a King James Bible, you'll see, or maybe you knew King James. This is the healing of the nobleman's son. And so instead, right here when my Amplified, it says there was a certain royal official that your Bible might say there was a nobleman. This, this nobleman means this. It's someone of royal descent. And so this man, when he would show up, he would have a cloak of power. He would have a pen. There would be people. Everybody in the region knew that this was a position. He didn't come just by himself. I'm sure he came with an entourage of people because he was a noble man. It says, having heard that Jesus had come back from Judea to Galilee, he went to meet him. In fact, you read commentary, says that he had walked for 14 miles to meet Jesus. I'm going to ask you this morning, are you that kind of Christian that would walk 14 miles to spend time with the Lord? JC said no, but I would like to say yes. Amen. We're comfortable Christians. We're here in AC, in comfortable chairs, with coffee and donuts. But I'm here to tell you, if you want miracles, there's going to be some sacrifice that's going to take on your place and your part. And it says, having heard that Jesus had come back from Judea to Galilee, he went to meet him. In fact, this word meet in the Greek it means to demand. This is a man of wealth. This is a man of power. And he began asking him to come down and heal his son. The Bible tells us, or Greek tells us this, that he began asking over and over and over, please, please, come, I demand you, come and heal my son. In fact, the word heal that he uses here, he doesn't use the one that he would be made whole. He just uses one that he would progressively over time be healed. But how many of y'all know God's even more powerful than that? For he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. 
You know, most people think that this is a rebuke from Jesus. But honestly, as I read the text and I see the heart of God here, I don't believe this is a rebuke. I believe he's saying this. It takes faith in order to see the power of God manifested. I don't believe this is a rebuke from Jesus because signs and wonders, he said, he knows this. He knows that when we get saved, we're not operating in the divinity that the Holy Spirit puts on the inside of us. He knows that we're still working under humanity. And we're people, unless we see it, we believe it. Unless we hear it, we believe it. Do we not? And so he is saying this, unless they see signs and wonders. Lots of times we as charismaniacs and Pentecostal people, we put signs and wonders in the same category. But they're two different words. A sign is what points us to Jesus. A wonder is what happens to those that see the sign. I don't know about you, but I want to be a sign to the world so much that the lost is in wonder about the saving power of Jesus Christ and the grace that he's had for me. How many of y'all know we need to have a world that is in wonder of the church of God? We need a world that's in wonder of the principles and teachings and the principles of the word. Are you hearing me? And so it's, he's not a rebuking here. He's saying, hey, you people need to understand this. Unless in your walk with Christ, this, this is a teaching moment Jesus has. In your walk with Christ, unless people outside the four walls of the church see signs and wonders, he's saying they won't believe. How many of y'all know people outside of these walls? Your neighbors need to see signs and wonders in you. Your friends need to see signs and wonders in you. So it goes on, the royal official pleaded with him. Sir... Do come down before my child dies. Think about this. This is the son of a royal descendant. So this son is going to be the inheritor of his line. You know what? This, why this blesses me? Because I am an inheritor of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Woo. So he said, sir, come down. He's telling him, this is a guy of high-ranking official. And he says to Jesus, sir, he's calling him Lord and master, even above him. He said to him, go. Your son lives. All throughout scripture, Jesus gives a command. And at the end of the command is a promise if you live by the command. He didn't tell him to do anything else. He just said, go, your son lives. The man believed what Jesus said to him and started home quickly. That means when Jesus said go, he said, all right. I'm telling you today, you're going to get a word from God. You can say, all right, I'm going to go and do it. Or you can say, nah, that word ain't for me. I'm telling you, you want to see the power of God in operation in your life. You're about to see a boy that was about to die get raised to life. I'm telling you, there may be some dead things in your life that you need resurrected. And I'm telling you, you're going to get a command today. And it's on the basis of you doing the command of you living in victory. I'm just trying to read it. Just trying to read it. And as he was already going down, his servants, we know that he's a great man because it's not servant. It says servants met him and reported. That in the Greek means over and over again, this son was living, that that his son was living and was healthy. So he asked them, at what time he began to get better? This word get better means to amend. This means now that at one time he was undressed, but now he's well-dressed. That man means he's now torturing the cat and writing crayons on the walls. How many of y'all have toddlers out there? Come on. He's better. They asked yesterday during the seventh hour, the fever left him. It doesn't mean it just left him. It means it permanently left him. 
You know, I believe we, we serve a God today, this morning, that you may have came in here with something, but we serve a God that has the power to permanently speak something into your life. Come on, second service. Are you awake today? Permanently leave. Like you may have gotten some kind of plague from your grandpappy's pappy's pappy, and I'm not talking about sickness and disease. I'm talking about an attitude that you carry on your shoulders. I believe there's a power today for it to permanently leave all right read the story read the story then the father realized that it was at the very hour when jesus had said everybody say said oh remember what he said he said go your son lives your son lives and he is entire it not only blessed his son but it blessed the daddy it blessed the mama it blessed the kids It blessed the servants in the house. The whole household believed and confidently trusted in him as Savior. Verse 54, this is the second sign. Everybody say sign. This is the second sign, a testing miracle that Jesus performed in Cana after he had come from Judea to Galilee. That word did means he performed creatively. Performed under creativity. So this is the second sign. Everybody say sign. This is the second sign that Jesus performed, that Jesus did after he had come from Judea to Galilee. Aren't you thankful that the noble man asked? Come on, how many of y'all came with a request this morning from God to speak to you? Well, if you didn't, you better raise your hand. I got something in my life that I need a miracle from God. Amen? Praise God. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Give the worship team a hand this morning. Our new worship leader, they had a baby Friday, 7 pounds, 13 ounces, Micah Jack Montgomery. Yep, he was two and a half feet tall with a full beard, already been to the big Texan. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Well, come on, one more time. Who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Well, if you're here last week, I uh, started a series on the book of John. Uh, I love the book of John. There's eight particular stories here. I didn't know what to call it, but I, you know, I like a good little, little bit of redneck comedy and the guy that says, here's your sign. I mean, I know there's signs throughout the miracle workings of Jesus that point us to him. And if you were here last week, I, 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 I broke it down. If, if you didn't, you weren't here, I want you to go back and listen to it because there's things in Matthew that's important, the book of Mark that's important, the book of Luke that is important, and in the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all complement one, one another, but they're, also, they're not contrary to one another, but they complement each other. Matthew's talking to Jews, Mark's talking to Romans, Luke's talking to Gentiles, and now you get to the book of John, and he doesn't think about where Jesus come from. He doesn't talk about he's from the lineage of David. He doesn't talk about how, uh, you know, he's from the tribe of Judah. He goes right into, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's going right into the deity of who he was. In verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that he is God dressed up in an earth suit. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
The Bible tells us that he was tempted. Book of Hebrews, he was tempted in all ways of man, but yet did not give in to any of them. So he goes right into the deity of this. And there is a word that he uses that not Matthew, Mark, and Luke, a word that he uses. And there's some stories that are in the book of John that are not in these three other gospels that we should look at. In fact, at the last of John's writing, he's a 90-year-old man uh, in, the, in the church at Ephesus, taking care of Mary, the mother of Jesus, under, I'm sure he's given inspiration to this young pastor, Timothy. And he said, the books could not contain all the miracles that Jesus did. How many of y'all thankful for all the miracles God's done in your life? Amen? But there's a word that he uses, and if you were here last week, I talked about a sign. The first sign that he does is Jesus turns water into wine, and right away you're like, ooh, I really like the title of this message. Well, go back and listen to it, because it wasn't the physical act of that. It's what Jesus did on the inside of us. He really turned us from water to wine. And that being the first miracle of Jesus is setting the precedence for every other miracle that he would do. He would take things that were normal and he would make them supernatural. And so we get to this story right here and in talking about signs. So I'm starting this message here. Your sign. There's eight miraculous signs in the book of John. First one is the water and the wine. The second one is the healing of the nobleman's son that we'll see today. Next week I'm going to talk about the man at the pool of Bethesda. Number four is feeding of the 5,000. Number five is walking on water. It's the storm in Galilee, if you know the story. But the healing of the blind man, number seven, Lazarus is raised from the dead. John chapter 11, that's the only time we see it in all of the Gospels. And the last one is mentioned that we, we only see this in the book of John as well. This is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that he comes to the disciples on the shore and there's a great harvest of fish. And this is after the resurrection. But what is a sign? A sign is what reveals his glory. I want you to think about glory and what it is. It's the essence of who somebody is. Glory. The, so he says a sign uh, reveals his glory. And what is glory? It's the essence of somebody who they are. Like the glory of an apple tree is not the bark, is not the actual tree, it's not the leaves. What it is is the fruit that it produces, it's the apples. That's the glory of an apple tree. The glory of a pear tree is the pears. The glory of you, the Bible said, be fruitful and multiply. The glory of you is your children if you have kids. All right? That can either be good fruit or bad fruit. Can I get an amen from all the parents out there? But the Bible says the rod of correction will take it far from them. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? I actually had to have a board meeting with my boys this week. That's the bummer about them going to AOL Christian Academy. They can just call me in there and I can take them out of class and we can have a board meeting. Praise the Lord. But uh, because why? I, I'm worried about that because, because the weight of that is that they're my kids and it's the essence of who I am through my children. Uh, think about a sign. What is a sign? I told you last week how Catch saw the sign that goes to Shelby's Diner, if anything, or, or after this, you may see the sign that says the Texas Roadhouse. If you go to the sign and order a steak, you will be sadly disappointed. But the sign will direct you to the place where you will get the steak and get fulfillment in your life. A sign is a miracle that teaches us a lesson. It should not only wonder us, but it also should instruct us. How many of y'all know we shouldn't just read the book of John, but we should learn from the book of John? How many of y'all know the Bible is for us today? The, Bible, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
How many of y'all know the Bible is still applicable for us today? How many of y'all know God still heals? God still reigns? He's still on the throne? Amen? And so John begins to drop us clues, I believe. Like your kids may have watched Blue's Clues. You may have watched uh, The Pink Panther where he has the clues. Did you ever see that movie? When uh, Martin Short, your dog bit, right? Hambigge. But there is some clues that John gives us, the how and the what of the miracle. Now, there are some things in this particular text of the healing of the nobleman's son that I really want to look at today. And clue number one is this. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into it because I believe God has a word for you today. Number one is this. Honor, this is the first clue. Honor unlocks honor. Honor unlocks honor. Before I break this down, I'm going to tell you honor does lock on, unlock honor. You know, there's, um, I've had the joy of working for lots of people, uh, shooing for lots of people. But can I tell you this? It's something about it when somebody comes in the barn and, and blows up my head. They come in and they tell me, hey, you, did, you, you have done such a great job on this particular deal or on this horse or, or whatever. And what it does is this. It may just be another Monday, but when that honor is spoken, it unlocks honor in me to do the very best job that I can do. Can I tell you the same thing works in the word, the same thing works in life. How I many of y'all know we need to be a culture that is honoring? I'm going to say that again. How I many of y'all know we ought to be a culture that is honoring? Everybody else is canceling. I just read the book by uh, Robertson, the, the Duck Dynasty. He talked about cancel culture. And he said what the problem is, is the world's doing cancel culture, and now the church is doing cancel culture. How I many of y'all know we ought to be a people that honors up, honors down, and honors all around? I want my kids to learn how to honor not only those that are hotsy-totsy, that have made millions and millions, but I also want them to know how to honor people that have made nothing. I want to honor people that are authority over me, but I also want to honor those that are under me. I want to honor my wife, but I also want to honor my kids. Just this morning, Ketch asked me a question. He said, Dad, he asked me this question, and what did I say? I said, yes, sir. You know why I said yes, sir? Because monkey see, monkey do. Monkey hear, monkey say. Are you hearing me? I want to honor and respect my children. And because of me honoring them, what, what's the Bible says? If you want mercy, give mercy. If you want honor, you better give honor. And so honor unlocks honor. And before this text even begins here, I want to back up to verse 43. It says, after the two days he went on from there into Galilee. For Jesus himself declared that a prophet has no honor, everybody say honor, in his own country. So when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him since they had seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too came to the feast. So we see right here in verses 43 through 45, he passes by his hometown to go to Galilee. You look on a map and you see where he's, the, the, the text before in John chapter 4, it starts out with him being with the Samaritan woman at the well. You know, when he asked her, he said, how many husbands do you have? She said, I have five. He said, that's right. Now you're with one. And she meets the seventh. How many of y'all know the number of seven is completion? She meets the son of God. And he said, if you, you, know, if you drink from this well, you, you will never thirst again of living water. He tells her, those who worship in spirit must worship, 
worship the Lord must worship in spirit and in truth. So he's leaving. We know this. He's leaving Samaria where there's a Samaritan woman. And now he's in Galilee. The Bible says there is no honor for a prophet in his hometown. You look on a map. It's, it is miles, 14 miles to get from the place of where, he's, where he was in Samaria to Galilee. And the town that he has to go right through, I should have put a map on here. The one he has to go through is the city of Nazareth. And this is a question that I want to ask you before I even break this down. We got to make a decision. Are we going to be a Galilean church or a Nazareth church? We got to make a decision as people of God. Are we going to be Galilean Christians or Nazareth Christians? Because the Bible tells us very clearly where there is honor, there is power. Where there is dishonor, there is a disconnect of power. Can I tell you from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, God is drawn to honor. Jesus is drawn to honor. Look at this. Mark chapter 6. We know this. You might know the story. You might not. But Jesus is doing miracles. And he goes to his hometown of Nazareth. And the people there see him not as the son of God, not as the son of man. They see him not as the one who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. He did, they don't see him as a miracle worker. They see him as Joseph, the carpenter's son. And as he's there, Mark chapter 6 and verse 5, I had to go back and read it last night, but it says this, he could not do a miracle there at all, except that he laid his hands on a few six people and healed them. Can I tell you this? I, I thought about this. I never want to be a church or I never want to be a Christian that gets to a place of where... where it's just familiar to us. Come on, I never want to be in a place of familiarity. I never want to be a place of familiarity. I never want to be shocked. Oh my gosh, God did that. No, I want to say, oh my gosh, God did it again. Amen. And so I look at this text. It didn't say that he would not. It didn't say that he wanted to. It says he couldn't. The Bible says... He couldn't. He couldn't do it. Not that he would not. Write this down. Honor is not about him being limited. Honor is not about him being limited. Honor is about you limiting what God can do in you. Honor is not about him being limited. Honor is about you limiting what God can do in you. Psalm 78 verse 41. It says, yeah, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. I'm telling you, there's people all the time, there's believers in this room, and I'm guilty of it as well. But I, when I dishonor the Lord and not have faith in what He can do, I'm telling you what it does is it limits God. Where there is no honor, there is no ministry. Where there is no honor, there is no ministry. What is honor? I wrote it down. This is what it means. Honor is to give weight to. It means to treat as worthy or judge correctly, to give weight to. See, in the, during this time in the Old Testament, to give weight to, meaning honor, they would have, the way they did coins was this, uh, out of silver and out of gold. And they would have, you know, Caesar's head on it and things like that. But it's not like today that, you know, George Washington, uh, 25 cents, or a quarter is 25 cents. We have nickels that... Uh, they worth five cents always. We have a dime that is always worth 10 cents, and we have a penny that is always worth one cent. But that's not how it went in those times. They weren't marked of that. They were marked on how much they weighed. 
So if I had five coins in this hand and five coins in this hand, the one that was worth the most, because they're both five, the one that was worth the most was the one that was full of weight. Can I tell you, people of God, when I read this to honor the Lord, where there is honor, there is, where there is no honor, there is no ministry, that tells me we don't take Jesus lightly. Come on, I'm going to say that again. Let's not take Jesus lightly. Let's not take Jesus lightly. Let's, let's let him have weight in our lives. You know, as I was reading the text here, I see Canaan of Galilee. Many commentators said that this was the adopted hometown of Jesus. You know, as I read that, can I just be honest with you? This is how selfish I am. I thought to myself, I want the Bennett home to be the adopted town of Jesus. Amen. How about the Divinity home? I want it to be the place where he skips over J.C. Campbell's house and goes to the Divinity's house. Are you hearing me? Nothing against J.C. Yeah. But I, I, let's just think about it. How many of y'all know Amarillo is full of some great churches? Full of some great ministries, great, uh, full of some great men of God that I'm friends with, and thank God for them. But can I tell you, I don't know about you, but I want to be the favorite place that Jesus likes to come. I want AOL to be, you know what, it was great, it was great over there, but because of the way AOL honors me, I'm going to go show up there and people are going to be set free. People are going to be delivered. People, blind eyes are going to walk, deaf ears are going to hear. And I'm not just talking physically, I'm talking spiritually, right? Like the depressed being set free, those that have been bound up by something of some kind of addiction to be loosed and, and declare the works of God. That's what I'm talking about. So uh, I, I, just, I just thought to myself, is this being selfish? But this is what I want. And there's many of you like, well, he's omnipresent. Pastor, you need to read your word. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Yes, he is everywhere, and I agree with you. But he does not manifest himself everywhere. Psalm 22.3 says this, Yet you are enthroned on the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. There's something about when we praise God, how it puts him on the throne. And when a, when a king is on the throne, that's when the most power is exuded out of him. Where there is honor, Christ is seated. Where there is honor, Christ is seated. You know, I was thinking about the honor slide throughout Scripture. Like you see, you see many of them that see the authority on Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want to be that person. Whatever he says to do it. Right? That he's still on the throne. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I see those that see him as the authority. But then I see others that see him just as the carpenter's son. Can I tell you, you're going to miss out on things if you just see him as just another carpenter. There's Jews that think he's just another prophet. He's not just another prophet. Amen? Then I see that there's some Pharisees and Sadducees think that he was uh, possessed by a devil. There's also some people that used to be number one where they saw him as authority and then they turned around and said crucify him. Can I see that I, that same thing happens with people? 
There's that one time they're excited for the things of God. You always see them in church when, when, when things are rough and things are messed up. And they, they come in here and they see the authority of power. And they see the creative miracle of what Jesus can do in their family, in their church. Or, or sorry, inside of their marriage, inside of their kids and all of those things. But then there comes a time where it gets, becomes familiar. And he just becomes the carpenter's son. Can I tell you, he can do more than fix your table. He can put all your kids back at your table. Are you hearing me this morning? Like, I said this in the first service. I was questioning whether I would in the second, but... Luke 6.38 says this. Jesus said, give and it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give in your bosom. I've said this to staff... Also said this to pastors and elders. There's times where I question whether or not we should have donuts and coffee. Remember, I'm your pastor, not your friend right now. And here's why. And I love community and I'm so thankful for people of God. And I'm so thankful for all the uh, connect groups that are going on. And the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And wisdom is found in a multitude of counsel. And I'm thankful for all my godly friendships that I have in this house. But some people, it's all about coffee and donuts. And there's people that miss out on worship just because I got to get my coffee and donuts. Can I tell you? Un honor unlocks honor. And for in order for us to see the power of God in operation, I don't want kumbaya coffee and, and, and donuts. Worship. If y'all want that, you can go down the road because there's plenty of it. I'm telling you, there's plenty of it out there. But how honoring is it this? Right. Brandy, don't let me have donuts. Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. Move your spirit. Heaven break out. I mean, this could be monster C4. I was walking in here. The service, I had a full Diet Coke. Some of y'all are like, you drink Diet Coke. Those are so bad for you. Diet Coke will not kill me. I promise you, I'll die of something else. But I poured it out because the Lord convicted me of coming in here. Because the Bible says, give, and it'll be given back to you. Well, I just, I just like to preach, and I really don't like to worship. Well, you're not going to see the power of God in operation in your life. Because honor, I just have one more bite, so I don't like hey. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> That was good, Gabe. I'm going to go ahead and finish my coffee, too. I got it on the carpet. Listen, this ain't about carpet. And this ain't about being cheap. And this ain't about me and being controlling. This is about me wanting to see the power of God in operation in the lives of each and every one of you. 
Well, we're just back there, and we got to talking. We're out in the foyer, out in the car, and we just got to talking. We came in during the worship. Then just stay there because, listen, you ain't going to get nothing out of the Word because in order for a seed to grow, you've got to put it in the ground, and putting it in the ground is through praise and worship because God inhabits the praises of His people. Well, it's really not my style. Then find somewhere that is your style. Come on. I want to see you have the power of God manifested in your life, and I want to see the power of God. So listen, you might come in here, and there might not be any donuts or coffee. Some of y'all's butt just puckered up so tight, you ain't even a. Some of y'all are going to be like, I'm going to go back to the water bottles, and I'm going to say, Lord, you change the water into wine. Change this water into coffee in Jesus' name, you know. Listen, we want to bless you. It's not about that. Actually, who blesses you is uh, the peacocks. They pay for the donuts every week. Give them a hand for paying for donuts. That distract you. All right. But it ain't about the donuts. It's just about something that is, that is hindering you from seeing the power of God in your life. Amen. Gabe, would you go get me one more? That was pretty good. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, y'all getting some out of the word this morning? Come on, don't miss worship. This is the house of the living God. And if you're not careful, you will let things, I'm telling you, when you first start coming to church, you're excited and you're, you, you, you want to see the, the authority of God and manifestation. But if you're not careful, it's things like coffee and donuts and friends and other people that will turn him just into the carpenter's son. He's not just the carpenter's son. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Clue number two. You ready? Clue number two. I better preach fast. Honor unlocks miracles. Verse 45 says, when, they, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. Since they had seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem, they welcomed him. They welcomed him. You know, I, I love the story in Mark chapter 5, you can go there if you want to. I'm going I'm to pick some things out of this. But if you know the story at all, it's the story of a man named Jairus. He's also a noble man. He's a man of high-ranking official. And he goes to Jesus and he says this, Hey, my, my daughter, she is sick. She's to the point of death. The first thing that I love about this story is this dad gets in the presence of God. I'm just here to tell you, that dads, if you want a miracle inside of your home, you first got to get in the presence of God. Okay? And so he goes, and, and he says, and so Jesus says, all right, show me the way. And so he's bringing Jesus back to his home. And so he's coming back to the house, and if you know anything about the story, there's a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. The doctors have given up help on her. She had taken medicine, spent everything that she had. And the Bible says that she reaches through, grabs the hem of Jesus' garment, and Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? And the power of God went into operation. The woman was made whole. All right? What I love about this part is this. You've got to understand, put yourself inside of the story here. Here's Jairus that he knows his daughter is on the brink of death. He goes and gets in the presence of God. And now this woman comes along that's been dead for 12 or been sick for 12 years. He's like, she can stay sick for one more minute. Come to my house. 
But what does he do? Even during that time, he stayed in the presence of God. Man, I'm going to tell you, not only you need to get in the presence of God, but you need to stay in the presence of God, and you need to rejoice with those that are being set free, delivered, and healed because it can come to your home as well. Because that is a sign to you then you're in wonder. That he can do it for them, he'll do it for me. So then what I love about the text is finally they get to the house, and on the way there, some people that are officials of, of, of this man come to him and said, there's no need for you to even come. Your girl... She's now died. And the Bible says this, verse 38. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he looked with understanding and uproar and commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing and mourning. When he had gone in, he said to them, Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but it's just asleep. They began laughing. Everybody say laughing. Laughing Laughing scornfully at him because they knew the child was dead, but he made them all go outside and took along the child's father and mother and his own three companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child's hand, he said to her, Talitha Kuma, which translated in the Aramaic means, little girl, I say to you, get up. This little girl immediately got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. There was one lady that was sick for 12 years, and there was one that was 12 years old that was made whole. What I love about it, he got in the presence of God, he stayed in the presence of God, and he brought the presence of God to his home. But when he gets to the home there, Jesus knows this, that where there is no honor, no ministry can take place. And there is people laughing and scorning, saying there's no way that this girl can get up. He, what did he do? He knew this. It's not that he wouldn't do the miracle. He couldn't do the miracle because honor was not in the room. But as soon as he put honor inside of the room, the power of God went into operation. I'm telling you, honor unlocks miracles. Are you hearing me this morning? Honor unlocks miracles. Let's say it together. Honor unlocks miracles. Say it one more time. Honor unlocks miracles. We also see in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus is in his hometown of how he is telling them that he is basically not honored here, so he's going to go down the road. And he begins to give them examples of Elijah. He said, in that time, there was, there was a big drought. There was widows all over the land, but there was one widow in 1 Kings chapter 17 that, that Elijah spoke to, that, that this woman was a Gentile. You remember the story? He said, go get that flower. It will sustain you. And also he tells the story of Elisha, how there was all kinds of lepers in the land, but there was one that came and honored the man of God. See, even God, and they were a Gentile as well, God has worked this way from the very book of Genesis. There was lepers all over the land, but the one that honored the man of God was healed. There was widows all over the land, but the one widow that honored the man of God and God on the inside of him, she was the one who was sustained through the drought. Can I tell you, honor unlocks miracles. I don't know about you, but in my home, I want to see miracles. So let's be a house that honors the Lord. Here's the third one, clue number three. I better hurry. Clue number three is this. Honor starts with the word. Honor unlocks honor. Honor unlocks miracles. But honor starts with the word. Honor starts with the word. Just his word is enough. Can I tell you, just his word is enough. I'm going to say it one more time. Just his word is enough. The Bible tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form of board, and darkness was upon the face of deep. And God, what? He said, let there be light. From the very beginning of time, God is showing us this, that 
that he performs under his word. What happens when we pray and seek God? What happens when we pray? We pray, we pray. The, most of the time what we do is we don't listen. But how, I'll tell you how God speaks to me. He speaks to me through his word. And it's still the same way today. He speaks through his word. So Jesus gives a command, go. Listen to the story right here. He says to the royal official, pleaded with him, sir, do come down before my child does. Jesus said to him, go, your son lives. So there is a command. He says, go. After every command, there is a promise. After every command, there is a promise. This is what James said. I know I've said it many times before. You can't just be a hearer of the word. You've got to be a doer of the word. Jesus gives a command. There's so many people that want to quote the word of God and say this. Whatever I put my hand to shall and will prosper. They want to say things in numbers. It says that I say to you all the time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. Go back and read that in Numbers. There's a whole page of command that he gives in order for you to be blessed, keep you, face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. In Psalm 1 and verse 3, it says, whatever you put your hand to shall and will prosper. And we say that. Whatever I put my hand to shall and will prosper. No, 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 no. The command is this. Psalm 1.1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor stands in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And if he meditates on it day and night, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth due fruit and due season. His leaf will not wither and whatever he puts his hand to shall and will prosper. We like the ending, but in order to get the ending, you've got to do the beginning. All throughout scripture, look at the book of, look, look in Kings. What does he say? Elijah. He said, bring me some empty vessels. It was a command that was led by a promise. The promise was, these vessels will not run dry, but you first got to bring me an empty vessel. This is how the word works. Go, and your son will live. Command is my part. The promise is God's part. How many of y'all know he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you? Come on, the command is my part. The promise is God's part. We ask for miracles, but God gives us instruction. You know what the instruction is? Is honor the word. You know why this is so hard for many of us secular people in the world that we live in? It's hard for us to take this in because a word is no good anymore. Used to, you probably sign one thing and have a handshake and have a house or a deed of property. It's not that way anymore. The last house that I bought, I got carpal tunnel from everything that I signed. I want you to think about the state of America of where we are today. You go to Washington, D.C., Smithsonian, top of the Washington Monument, all the things in the mall of what our forefathers brought to America, there is scripture on everything. I mean, on everything. You know why we are in moral decline? You know why there is more crime in the streets than there ever been before? Because we've forgotten the word. I want you to think about this. Like, like today, I, I, I repent of this, but my son, he plays club soccer. and he's, I mean, I'm going to have to leave right after this. He's playing. You know why America is declining? 
I'll tell you why. I mean, we, there is events that happen on Easter now. Kids play softball. People rodeo on Easter. Shame on them. Pastor, that's hard. No, it's the truth. When I was a kid growing up, Wednesday nights, you, Wednesdays, you didn't have homework. Why? Because people went to church. I just want to tell America, what do you expect? We've turned our back on God. You know what AOL needs to be? A house that honors the word of God. Come on, can AOL be a house that honors the word of God? Amen. The Tedder home, the Whitaker home, the uh, the Han home. All of our homes. Let's be a home. The Boydston home. Let's be a home that honors the word of God. I could have really went on a soapbox, but I'm not going to. Psalm 138 verse 2 says this. Listen to this. This is so amazing. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Did I read this right? His word. What is his name? At his name, every knee must bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How do you even know that? Because of the word. To God, words are supernatural. To God, words have the power of life and death. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and he healed you and delivered you from all destruction. The noble man, what did he do? He said, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm a man of high-ranking official. I know that my people under me, they take me at their word, at my word. So I'm going to take you at your word, and I'm going to go. Can I tell you what you're going to do tomorrow on Monday? This is, this is not my word. I spoke to you from the word of God, okay? On Monday, you have the choice to say, you know what, God? I'm going to take you at your word. Honor unlocks honor. Honor, honor unlocks miracles, and honor starts with the word of God. On Tuesday, you're going to have the opportunity to say, God, all right, I'm going to take you at your word. On Wednesday, you're going to say, all right, I'm going to take you at your word. On Thursday, I'm going to have, I'm going to have the opportunity to say, all right, God, I'm going to take you at your word. On Friday, I'm going to take you at your word, God. On Saturday, I'm going to take you at your word. On Sunday, then Sunday comes around, you get filled back up with the word. Come on. You get a command. You get an instruction. And the promise comes from God's part. He didn't see it yet, but his word was enough. His word was enough. I want to ask you the same question as you're standing to your feet. Is his word enough for you? I have learned the secret to be content in all things, whether well-fed or hungry, whether be naked or well-dressed. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? That's a word. Another word is this, that I have the mind of Christ. I, uh, if God be for me, then who in the world can be against me? A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but nothing will come near my dwelling place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord that he's my refuge, he's my fortress, in him I will put my trust. Pastor, how do you know this? 
Because the word brings comfort. The word brings healing. On Thursday, I had a procedure. I'll just put this, hey, we're having no more kids because of the doctors. That's why I've been standing here like this preaching to you guys today. <laughs> Let me just say, when they started, oh my, when he grabbed that cord, it was connected to my Adam's apple. It was right up here. This may be embarrassing to y'all, but this is what I did. Man, I started praying in the Holy Ghost, like loud. Brandy's like, I could hear you back there. I said, yeah, uh-huh. Woo, mercy. I started quoting scripture. God be for me. Then who in the world can be against me? <laughs> thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand. Hallelujah. I started qu quoting all this stuff. And she goes, wow, you know a lot of word. The, the nurse said this. I mean, it's all so awkward. I looked at her and I said, the word has changed my life. And it can change yours. Amen. Come on, I want to ask you one more time. He may have not sought, but his word was enough. Can I tell you? The word is enough. The word is enough. Well, I haven't experienced it yet. I'm telling you, the word is enough. You just speak in the word. Nicodemus used to say on, on the Gospel Bill show, he used to say this, when you speak the word, dynamite comes out of your mouth. There is power that comes in the word. Amen? Some of y'all are still like, no donuts? No coffee? I thought you were a man of God. Listen, I truly believe I heard from God this weekend, and this, this word has a power to change your life. But you've got to apply it. You've got to apply the word. You've got to apply the word. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week.